Welcome to episode 14 of the God Culture Podcast. This week's episode is titled, Just a Little Bit of Honey, where we follow the story of Samson, identify the subtle ways his behaviors and decisions led him to his fate, and identify the influence behind his downfall. The God Culture Podcast is brought to you by the Sanctuary of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You can find us online at thegodfilter.com, at facebook.com by searching The God Filter, or you can email us at admin at thegodfilter.com. Welcome to The God Filter Podcast. Praise the Lord, everybody. My brothers, we usually do this on a Sunday. It's Monday, and here we are again. And we come to you in the name that is above every name, Jesus. All right, disclaimer, uh, real quick before we jump into this and what we have today is, ah, it's just it's spectacular. I love it. Um, very informative and very, very relatable. But first time listener, for whatever reason, cut it off. Go find episode one. And if you don't listen to episode one and you listen to this, look, you're more than welcome to listen to this one first. You're just going to hear some names and you're going to hear some uh, clinical stuff that you're not going to be familiar with without listening and understanding um, episode one. And then you can listen to them whatever order that you want to. I am in this room with my brothers in arms, Brother Robert. I know it's been a long day, and yet here we are. How are you today, sir? Praise Jesus. I'm wonderful. Good. Good to hear. Brother Scott, how are you, bud? Doing great. Good. You got that workout in a while ago, huh? Got my workout in. Slid in. Got it in right before we got here. Yeah. Good for you. Ten minutes before y'all got here. Got it done. Guys, listen to me out there very carefully. As this podcast grows and we're getting more feedback and things are happening, um, perhaps you've listened to the first one and you're going to try out some of this applicable stuff. Uh, let me let me tell you what we do here. There's a lot of information out there on the gods, on the spirit world, a lot of good information. I have some foolishness out there too, but some really good stuff out there that is biblically accurate. But it always tends to stop at academia. And, you know, you know it, and I tell you, that's pretty cool. And then we move right on into everything else that we believe or whatever, whatever that may be. And if you're kind of new to what we're doing and you don't come to the sanctuary uh, where I pastor, where we're preaching this stuff, you miss the application part of it. And honestly, academia academically and academia has not really bridged the gap between academic and application. And our work here is that bridge of academia to the application of this, the spirit world in your life and in your circumstances. That is, we didn't come up with that at first. That just kind of, we looked around here recently and was like, this is what that is. Yeah. Uh, so some of the God information is not original to us. We've just been shown a thing 
to be able to plug it into scripture that applies to our absolute day-to-day lives. Somewhere between Dr. Heiser and uh, all of his work over at the um, the Naked Bible podcast. Right. And, and he's deceased now, but he, he wrote a lot of books, and he did a great job with that. And we live between him and the Orthodox Church. That's somewhere, <laughs> and, then, and then some of it is just brand new. It's just new. It's just things that the Lord has shown us, and it's not separate from Scripture. Again, we need to remind people. It's that, all in Scripture. Yes, it is. This is not revelation. No. That is separate from the Word. This is revelation that is in the words Absolutely. of the Bible. The, the revelation is the words. Just bringing history to the forefront and language yes. to the forefront and yes. translation back into our modern Bible. So if you're trying to sort out anything that we just said and we left you confused, just let us set the example with the story of Samson. How's that? The story of Samson is an all-timer. I think everybody knows who Samson is. It's right up there with David and Goliath and Noah's Ark. Um, I mean, of course, Calvary sets above them all, but there's some very popular stories in the Bible. This is probably one of them. And I will never view the story of Samson ever again the way that I once viewed it. I can't even tell you how I viewed it to start with, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't like this. So let's get to it. Samson, y'all ready to talk about it? Really? You want to put anything on it before we start? I will say this, that, you know, always, not always, but most of the time we do a podcast, it's sermons that I preached on Sunday, and then we come in and, you know, after we've studied all week, talked about it, preached the sermon, then we come in and record this, it's fresh on our mind. Brother Scott was not able to be with us Sunday morning. No, so celebrate Mardi Gras. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, he was not there for the the layout blueprint of the sermon, but he's been up to speed with most of the information throughout the week as we studied it and yeah, looked we, into it. We do all the research more or less together, and there's a whole you know what usually three week long process before we even preach anything yeah. or anything goes to the church. That, that's so. right. You know, it's not just right idea. But that sermon layout of it is always a little different than our research. Just kind of the way. But sometimes I don't be telling y'all everything. Sometimes <laughs> I I don't, and that's not me being. Um, I take offense to that. Uh, well, you know, I'm sorry. You just have to be offended because there's just some <laughs> things I just I just look at and say, you know what? I'm just gonna. They're just gonna have to hear this one. I'm in gonna the start pulpit. my own church, Adrian. But I'm before, gonna go talk hey, to deacons. Good luck. I don't know that I advise that. <laughs> Uh, that that go ahead. Uh, I'm praying for you, but um, this this is let's just get into it. Judges thirteen twenty four says, and the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Now, um. Uh, that that word Samson there embodies three full chapters of an absolute wild ride. So what we're going to do is we're not going to key on just one thing. We're about to go through the entire life of Samson, starting with Samson in the womb, because there's where the filter shows up while he is indeed still in the womb. And then we're just going to work until we get to the end of his life. And we'll give you the filter. We'll give you some application stuff. We'll give you some tidbits and nuggets and tune 
Brothers and sisters, lend us your ears for just a little bit. So the story starts off with um, the birth of Samson. Actually, it is the an angel showing up to uh, Samuel. I said Samuel. I think Sunday I said Solomon. Did it? Is that true? <laughs> That's true. My nephew told me that afterwards. If y'all hear me say Samuel or Solomon, just disregard it. I'm talking about Samson today. But Samson, uh, the 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 story of Samson's birth starts off with an angel coming to his mother and telling her she's going to bear a child and then having to come back again to convince the father because I just appreciate that as a man, <laughs> you know. Uh, and that really looks like kind of the way that the angel came to Mary and then had to come back to Joseph, and I appreciate that because imagine our good sister Mary trying to convince Joseph without supernatural help that she was indeed with child. And it was immaculate. And as a man, I appreciate that angel coming to me and confirming that, yes, <laughs> what Mary is saying is true. And if we look at it through she our eyes, I, I, I think that we would all appreciate that. That same thing happened in Judges 13. And um, another little quick tidbit here is he is also born of a woman who uh, was barren. And that is a that is. That happens multiple times in scriptures that God starts something extremely great and cool, for lack of a better term, with a woman that is barren. Well, the filter's all over that. Right. We've talked about that before. Yeah. It's, so that yet again, here is a barren vessel that is going to produce greatness. Now, there's all type of preaching application to that, but we'll, we'll, move, we'll move on from um, – on from that, I'm sure that's been preached to death. Nothing, nothing new to cover there. Uh, so uh, she's bearing now. Bearing children in that day and time was a big deal. To be a childbearing woman, having the ability to give birth to children, that was a big feather in their hat. That was a big deal. That involved their womanhood, and so to be barren was almost like to walk around with a curse. To some degree, it was frowned upon. It also led to a lot of the fertility worship in in paganism. Uh, it also led to a lot of non-godly, our God beliefs that if they did certain things, worship certain things, I don't want to start dropping names yet, so just hang on. But worship and did certain things, as in boiling the kid goat in its mother's milk, as the law says. It's a Canaanite ritual to the fertility goddess, and it, and so fertility was a big, big. You get the Mandrakes and the Jacob and Leah and Rachel story, uh, witchcraft involved in that story. So being able to produce children was a big deal. So that angel coming to her and then to her and her husband, that was a, uh, there was a lot going on there in the spirit world in the ways of fertility. Now, so uh, when she's visited a second time and that's when her husband, her husband comes in and, or comes to the meeting or is summons to the meeting the the angel then puts conditions on her pregnancy. Um, this is in the beginning of this is in the beginning of 
chapter 13, he puts conditions on her pregnancy. When he says you're going to have a child, and then those conditions were brought to us in Judges 13 uh, and verse 7. And not only, this is very interesting and very key to something that happens, and what happens is actually the title of this podcast. Uh, he puts conditions not only on Samson, but also on his mother. While he was in the womb, while he would glean from his mother's body the nutrients and the sustenance that he needed to grow, God was protecting him not only after he was born, but while he was in the womb as well. So there was conditions put on it, and, and Judges 13, 7 says, But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing. Now, that was a big deal, a big deal uh, in these conditions. The rest of it says, For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now, uh, like the Bible says, holy to God. Holy, set apart, set mm -hmm. aside, holy to him. That's the importance here. Very important. So, now we also know that the condition for Samuel, Samuel, there's that again, Samson, was that he that no razor ever come to his hair, that you never never do not ever cut your hair in any. That is the vow. That is the condition. So now, Mama, don't drink wine or strong drink, and don't eat any unclean thing. When the child is born, do not cut his hair. Those are the conditions that are placed upon this entire situation. So. When Samson was born, uh, of course, uh, he never um, he never cut his hair at least up until where we're going. He didn't, but that was that was the vow that he had to keep was that he wouldn't cut his hair. Now let, let me just let me just stop and put just a little bit of teaching and preaching in here before we get to the nuts and bolts of this. Um, it does not matter how gracious and loving. And all-powerful our God is, his promises always come with conditions. That's right. Always. And that is throughout Scripture. God is responsible for his promises. When he speaks a thing, and he has, that's in the word. That's why Scripture says that his promises are both yea and amen. Let it be so. If you do not see the promises of God in your life, it is not because the promise is flawed, and it is not because God did not hold up his end of the deal. His promises are there, they are forever settled in heaven, and they cannot change. But those promises always come with conditions. And the promises of what Samuel would be and what he would do were tied up in the conditions that were given to him, along with a million other examples in the Bible, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll do this, 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 this. That is his promises. That all of his promises hinge on if my people will do this. And most of the miracles you find in the Old Testament with Jesus is they were preceded by the actions of men. Men that tore roofs off of houses, ladies that crawl through crowds to touch the hem of his garment. 
and then they received their healing, their promises. But it was it was man and woman, or man and God, man being hum- humanity, and God working with what my friend Steve Pixler would call synergistic cooperation. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he he's he's that guy. But they just they work together. And somehow we've birthed, and I don't want to get bogged down here. we got a lot of cool stuff to get to. We, we've got to this thing that we we just sit and God does. And then the, the, we just, if it's not happening, it's always, well, I'm just going to sit here and trust God and. Not change I, my life. Yeah, or whatever. whatever live, the, in, live in unbelief. What were the conditions? And whatever the conditions were in the scripture, what, what was it in Samson? Holiness. Set apart. There's some things you can't do. It's types and shadows. It's conditions. Call it works. I don't care what you call it. Call it whatever you want. I don't care. All I know is God's promises are yea and amen, but they always come with conditions. And Samson, Samson was no different. I said Samson that time, didn't I? You got that one right. All right. So Samson's born. And the scripture says that God blessed him. So when you turn the page from 13 to 14, Samson's now of age. So his childhood uh, was not given to us like as a little toddler running around, kind of like Jesus. You know, he's born and he doesn't show up again until, what, age 12. 12. Samson's probably older here because he's already ready to enter the dating scene, the dating world. Um, so he turned the page to 14 and he's he's on his way in life. So chapter 14 says that there was a young Philistine lady that catches his eye and he wants her. Now, there's there's the Philistines, but we're going to be very clear on something in just a moment in this particular setting about the Philistines. This little Philistine girl catches his eye and he wants her. He wants her as his wife. And it was his parents who's piped up and his parents piped up and said, I don't know if this is a good idea. Is there not anybody, you know, within us, the Jews, the Israelites, that, I think the Bible says, amongst your brethren. Mm -hmm. Brethren and family. Yeah, brethren and family. Is there not anybody here that you'd like to marry? Why do you have to go marry somebody that is outside, that is outside of who we are? Now, his parents did not like the idea. And they voiced that. We don't like the idea of you doing this. But- we also have that scripture in there that says that daddy was let known by the heavens that God was going to use this little union here so that Samson could um, handle some things with the Philistines. I'm just trying to put it in the Shelby County terms. Like it was ultimately, it was not a great thing and the parents was, a, was against it, but uh, God was going to use it to take care of to take care of some things that he he needed to get done. And so um, they were told that this, uh, let me put it this way. They were told that God could use this bad choice. <laughs> How about that? That he could use this, uh, this bad choice. So the next thing we have to settle in this story, it was not forbidden for Samson um, to marry outside of his own people amongst the Philistines, 
uh, even though the law says it was forbidden. So now you're out there saying, well, which one is it? Well, I'm fixing to tell you which one it is because I had to, I had to clean this up in my own spirit, in my own research. The reason that it was okay in this instance was because the Philistines were not a part of the people that were mentioned in the law. So when the law was given, which they were still under and still very much followed, it was the law of don't marry among them, don't trade among them, don't hang out with them, don't have anything to do with them, stay away from them. And then you get the listing, and that's where you get the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, the, the Jebusites and the Moabites. Well, if you notice that, the Philistines are not, um, are not in that number. And the reason they're not in that number goes back to, and this was just pretty cool in the Bible to me in general, goes back to Genesis chapter 26. And in Genesis chapter 26, you find that there was a treaty, for lack of a better term, a treaty of kindness in place from Abraham and Isaac that was made with Abimelech, the Philistine king, um, like I said, that happened in Genesis 26, that would make Samson marrying a Philistine acceptable. Now, it was acceptable, but it was still a bad idea. How, how's that sound? Sounds good. So let me let me let me just add this to it. Just because something is allowable doesn't mean that it's always profitable. And yes, it was allowable for Samson to marry this girl, but how profitable was it? Now we're fixing to walk that road. Now God can use anything. God, what what they meant for evil, God God could take that evil and turn it for good. Would he would rather them? He would rather not have to take evil and make good out of it. He would rather just deal with obedient people. But our God is bigger. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Just because something is allowable doesn't mean it's profitable. Mm, I just feel like saying that again for somebody that's listening. Because we make heaven or hell issues over everything. We want to know if everything is heaven or hell. Is it is it a sin? Will I die and go to hell if I do such and such and such and such? Well. Okay, first of all, if maybe. the if the Bible maybe <laughs> if the Bible remains let, let me give you some good wisdom. If the Bible remains silent on an issue, then we should remain silent on an issue. Yeah. So lest we make something a heaven or hell issue that is not and confuse the matter. But again I say just because something is allowable doesn't mean that it's it's profitable. And so if the Bible doesn't address a thing, then you should really look at that thing and say, okay, the Bible says I, the Bible doesn't say I can't do it, but if I do it, how profitable is that going to be? What good can, what good can come of this? What's the spirit if I of, do the, it? of the law mean in yeah, this instance? Like in this case, the spirit of the law would be that you don't marry any of these other tribes why would you marry into any of the tribes? Just keep it exactly in the same tribe. Even though the technicality of the law exactly. says, yeah, it's allowable. But even his parents were like, I don't like this. Right. But God can take it and use it. Thank God that God takes mistakes and uses them. Amen. So plug my sin on a leash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, what's it called? 
it's Monday night, not Sunday afternoon. I'm not as sharp as I am. It's the uh, blog post. Yeah, the blog post. It's the godfilter.com. It's a pretty good plug there. People are going <laughs> to start thinking we know what we're doing around here. One day. One day. So he goes on a stroll. He wants to go meet her, and he walks through Timnath. Now, in Scripture, there's a garden. Let's get to it. In Scripture, uh, in there's the Garden of Timnath. And he is walking through the Garden of Timnath. And the Bible says that a young lion roars against him. Now, filter. Filter. Put our filter glasses on. Who represents the lion? Now, we know that Christ is coming back as the lion, but that's the war of territory because everywhere else, the lion, even in historical writings and in actual idolatry and statues of you-know-who, and I'm still saving the name, this you-know-who is depicted as always being with lions and birds. So the first thing that comes against him in his life, other than a Philistine woman, is a lion in the Garden of Timnath. The scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and there was nothing in his hands. And he grabbed the lion. That is just not a coincidence that it was a lion. And Scripture says that he tore that lion to pieces, ripped it apart like it was a, a young goat. A young goat, a kid goat, ripped it, threw it on the ground, left it there, went on his way to meet his new woman. And so that is a very huge part of this story in Samson because it starts a march. That happening there starts a march, and that march is what we're bringing you now. So he goes, and uh, he reaches his destination, and he must have stayed there a, a while. Uh, I don't know how long it takes bees to colonize in one place and produce honey. A long time. A long time. So at some point, he travels back through the exact same path that he kills the lion, and I don't know how long that is. And he notices that the lion carcass that he had killed now has been taken over by a swarm of bees. And these bees have made a honeycomb inside of that lion. And Samson, there it is, Samson, I got it right, takes his hand. This is huge in this story. It is, it's huge. It's just the, it's just, the beginning of this is just as big as the ending of it is. He takes his hand and he reaches in that lion, a dead animal carcass, and he grabs that honey out and he eats it. Ooh, what's the big deal? Well, we'll get there, but that's probably the first thought is what's okay. What's wrong with that? If we did it, it might not be the most sanitary thing ever, but you could understand somebody eating some wild honey. What's the big deal? Well, he didn't stop there. He then takes the honey, and he takes it home to his parents. And he gives it to them, and they eat. And then the scripture is very specific for a reason, because the scripture says, and he did not tell them where he got the honey. It's unclean. Yes. The reason he didn't tell them was because Samson was forbidden. He was not he was not 
out from under the law. He had conditions, don't cut your hair, but you still have to live by my law. My law's not changed for you. Right. You can't do whatever you want. And the law state that it was improper for them to touch a dead thing. Yep. They could not. And here is him not only just touching it. Without ritualistic cleaning. Yeah. Afterward too. You can't eat anything of it. Then, then it he has to be proper, properly yes. uh, bled and everything. Like you know, There's a whole thing that comes with it. He reaches into this carcass, grabs the honey, and eats it. And then he takes it home to his parents. Well, what was the one thing that the angel told his mother not to eat? Don't eat anything unclean. And reaching into that dead animal was forbidden by the law. But what, what's, come on now, what's the big deal? It was, look guys, it was just a little bit of honey. That's all it was. Now, well, let's don't, let's don't judge Samson too harsh. It was just a little bit of honey. That's all it was. And hey, nobody even knew about it. Yep. It wasn't even... Nobody even knew about it. Just in the dark. Yeah, just whatever. I just get me a little, little bit of this. Are you supposed to be doing it? No, but hey, it's not that big a deal. It's just, it's just a little bit of honey. Hold on, let me, let me, let me not get bogged down with that point. Either way, it happened. So he goes on his way, and he throws a now he throws a feast with the Philistines. And the feast has many guests. Apparently, our brother Samson's popular with the Philistinians. Samson there, no matter no telling what's going on in that setting, he gives them a riddle. We'll read it. Judges 14, 12, and 14 through 14. Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can certainly declare it within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. But if you cannot declare it to me, then you shall give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. All right, let's catch you up now on the story. So now... He has married a Philistine woman. Now he has reached in to the carcass of a lion that he's not supposed to do. And now he's hanging out at Philistine places, chilling with Philistine people, and he's gambling over a riddle. But it's probably not anything he can't overcome. It was... After all, it was just just a little bit of honey. <laughs> it was just, it ain't nothing. It's not a big deal, right? It's just a little bit of honey. But this is where we're at in the story now. So this and is what he's done. Let's that. remember the underlying tone here is that this culture that he's marrying into is not going to abide by any of the law. No, they're not even trying. Matter of fact, the law is intended to be the inverse. They're not even trying to doing. in this story, yeah. much less in the future. And. He's not supposed to do anything unclean. I guarantee you, and we can't prove this. It's not explicitly put in here, but all of the food he would have eaten at that party Probably. in that culture was not have been clean unless he did it himself. Probably not. 
I mean, like I said, again, let's be clear on that. We don't have any proof of that, but we understand there's a high possibility. Yeah. So we got the bad relationship. We got the lion. We got the honey. We got the hanging out with the wrong people. And now we have gambling. So they couldn't solve the riddle, and I'll move through that part fast. They couldn't solve the riddle. This just shows the people he was hanging out with. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't solve the riddle, so they start putting pressures, uh, pressure on his wife, who was one of them, to solve the riddle. And they told her, look, if you don't tell us the answer to this riddle, we're going to burn you and your father to death in his house. That sounds like some people you ought to be hanging out with right there, don't it? It's, uh, it's almost so, like they're used to... Yeah. Human sacrifice. Yeah, almost like they just burning people with fire is a normal thing, huh? Yeah. But they probably they probably didn't know anything about Moloch. No, probably not. Nah. Anyway, that's that's really good. I actually missed that Sunday. That's pretty sharp. That's new to me. If you're wondering why I'm stopping and kind of looking at Scott, I didn't even put that together. But burning people to death with fire was probably just normal. It probably it probably don't mean anything. Yeah. Okay. And, and back to the other point, the entire law, you know, kind of grazed past this. The entire law is basically the antithesis of what their cultures were. Yeah, that's what it was for, was the, exactly. the opposite of what the people around them were doing. Earlier you said that you can't boil a, a, um, a kid in its mother's milk. So the Canaanites were doing because it. Because the Canaanites right. were doing it. And that is all Jewish law that they have to abide by. Yep. The, the law is the exact polar opposite of these cultures. All because 615 of them fought all the ites. Yes. And uh, otherwise, we do have human sacrifice. Other do, otherwise, we do have sexual immorality. Otherwise, we do have unpure sure. meat and you know, so everything as, involved with this. It's fascinating. So as a sign of things to come, his wife starts pressuring him. Tell me the answer. Tell me the answer. Tell me the answer. And she tells him, he, he tells her the answer. Like, there's foreshadowing everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, you know, just wasn't a big deal. I'll overcome it. It's just, you know, it's not, I'll tell you. Well, she goes back and tells them. And he gets mad at them and goes, kills all of them. Yeah. Now. Uh, not knowing that she was more loyal to, uh, to them than she was to him. Yeah. So then we turn the page. That's kind of the end of that story. We turn the page, and for some unexplained reason, uh, his wife is taken from him and given to his best friend. And so Samson, now Samson's really mad. It's almost like he's got some uncontrolled anger, like a warring spirit at this point. But that's just some speculation. That's just speculation. We understand also that God is using things to accomplish some things He's using some foolish decisions to accomplish some things for him, for him. And God can do that. So he, he goes catch 300 foxes. Well, that in itself is amazing. 300 foxes catches them. And he ties their tails together and put brands on them. And he lights them on fire and turns them loose into uh, the standing corn of the Philistines. And then when he's done doing that, the scripture says that he goes up into a mountain. A rock is what it says. A high place. A high place. Oh, yes. A high place. And the scripture named the place. It was actually in the cliffs, but it was a high place nonetheless. Nonetheless, Edom. E-A-T-E-M. Now, 
This is just filter 101 work. You know what the word Edom means uh, in the Greek? Because I didn't until I looked it up. Because I figured it was going to mean something. You know why I figured that? Because it always, it always does. does. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it never. It's never not meaning something. Yeah. Edom means a place of ravenous birds. Mm. Is that one thing I didn't share with you? Yeah, you didn't share I don't remember. You, you sent me some that stuff to in, look in the mountains. That come right? in late. That come in late. A place of ravenous birds. So now we have birds and four-footed beasts. Lions. Lions depicted with lions and birds. A place of ravenous birds. Jaw the jackass. and Well, we'll get there in a minute. But, I, you know, I didn't really. I don't know. We'll get there because that's next. So. So now we've got birds and four-footed beasts in play, and the attack is on, and he has no clue. And honestly, I've read it a whole life, and I had no clue either. The attack by the gods were on in full force, and it was hid behind a little girl, a Philistine girl, a lion, a dead carcass, some honey, some gambling, some anger, some birds eat them, a place of ravenous birds. Now, it gets so bad that is, the Philistines and the Israelites have a little conference because the Philistines are like, hey, this dude's doing a number on us. They come to the Philistines and or the Israelites, and the Israelites are like, hey, he's making us look bad. Let's all try to come together here, and they have this whole meeting. And it's his own people that come up to the place where he's at, eat them, and say, hey, we're going to take you in. He finally agrees to it. They tie him up. They take him down. He gets down to all the Philistines. There's a thousand of them. Bust his, bust his uh, ropes off his fetters, whatever they had him with. Picks up the jawbone of an ass, as you said a while ago, and kills every one of them. Now, this is how irresponsible. Did I just call Samson irresponsible? That is exactly what I said. I think God agrees with that. Did God use him? Yes. I think God uses a lot of irresponsible people in the Bible from time to time, including probably at least one in this room that I think I can be irresponsible sometimes, as we all can be. Mm -hmm. He takes the jawbone that God just let him kill a thousand people with, throws it away. Just as if that doesn't mean anything anymore. Just, you know, that's just who I am. You know, I'm Samson. Then he starts dying of thirst. And he asked God, he's like, you going to let me go through all this and let me die of dehydration? I'm pretty sure it takes a lot of energy to kill a thousand men with a jawbone. And I don't particularly think, I said this Sunday morning, I know all the, all the, all the, all the pictures and stuff we saw as a kid as Samson showed him all jacked and big and huge and muscular. I don't believe for a second that he was. Because nobody could ever figure out where strength came from. Yeah. If he'd have been jacked 6'3", 300 pounds with 5% body fat, they'd all had a pretty good idea of where he got all his power from. I think he was probably just a normal 5'7 to 5'10 Jew with extremely long hair. And because nobody knew where his strength came from, just a normal dude. So he says, you're going to let me, he kills all these people. He's like, you're going to let me die of thirst. The Bible says that he had to go back and pick up the jawbone that he threw away. And boy, do we do that 
Sunday to Monday. We'll pick up the jawbone and kill things in our life on Sunday and throw it away until we need it Wednesday. And then we got to go back to the thing that saved us one time. And the Bible says that he hollered out, he hollowed out a hole in the jawbone and he drank freely from it. I don't really have a whole lot of filter to put on that. I'm just giving you the story as we go because it's fixing to get really good. So then Samson, Samson goes to Gaza and Samson finds a prostitute. And so now we have entered into the realm of prostitution. And we all know who the goddess of prostitution is. It's just well documented from Mesopotamia, through scripture, through the temples, through the porches of the temples, through Corinthians, through Ephesians. Prostitution is a mainstay in scripture. We all know who they served. We all know who they prayed to historically. We know her name. You know her name if you listen to the first one, goddess of prostitute. Now, up to this point in Samson's life, it has been death by a thousand cuts. So we've got, we've got just a little bit of pressure here, a little bit of pressure there. We've got a little bit of temptation here. We've got a little bit of temptation there, just a little tightening of the ratchet strap here and a little tightening of the ratchet strap there. Maybe I should put it this way. It was just a little bit of honey. That's all it, that's all it was. And it wasn't an all-out attack. It was just a little nick here and a cut here and a bruise there. A little dulling of the senses. And I'll dull you a little bit with the Philistine. I'll dull you a little bit with the lion. I'll dull you a little bit with the lion carcass. I'll dull you a little bit with the honey. I'll dull you a little bit with the gambling. And I'll dull you and I'll dull you and I'll dull you till all of a sudden you start thinking, well, there's really nothing wrong with any of this. I don't, I don't have to really adhere to anything. It's not that really big a deal. Anyway, it's just a little honey. And so now it's moved from a relationship to a breaking of the law to bringing the unclean thing into your family's house, into gambling, into prostitution. And so by the time that Delilah enters the picture, there has been a whole plan in place against him. By the time Delilah gets there, he's been weakened just enough. He's been dulled just enough. He's always come through it however he wanted to. He's always made it. He's been dulled to the point of indifference or perhaps arrogance Hmm. or unbelief. Or perhaps unbelief that nothing would happen to him. I like your idea of arrogance more because God arrogance. kept blessing him anyway. And we can we can extrapolate that to our modern perception of Jesus will forgive me anyway. Mm-hmm. So why can't I partake in this little bit of honey? Just a little bit. Now, perhaps that arrogance is pride. 
Always is. Now, we know Baal's always close to you-know-who, but hang on. He actually appears before us in Scripture. So he's all—listen, here's the deal with Samson. Samson is always in places that he shouldn't be, doing things that he shouldn't be doing. So he's faced the the— bad relationship decision. He's faced lions. He's faced a breach of the law. He's faced ravenous birds, at least in location. And now he's wrapped in prostitution. And the whole thing started with a little inadvised relationship with a Philistine and a little bit of honey. The whole thing. The whole thing. That's where it started. Just a little bit here and there. So, now, if you listen to last week's episode, you'll get this line. If you, matter of fact, we're not even going to explain this line because if you want to know how big what I'm fixing to say is, go listen to episode, the last episode, 13. This kind. This kind shows up. So now he's got all the little cuts and the birds and the lions and the breach and the prostitution and all of this. And then this kind shows up. To seal the deal. He meets her, Delilah, in the valley of Sorek. That's what the scripture tells us. Y'all over here tracking with me. If I get off, let me know. And Sorek means a place of fruitless trees and a place where they grew the grapes for wine and strong drink. Now, Hmm. now let's tie. Let's tie all of that together. First of all, a place of fruitless trees. That kind of sounds like a grove. I know. Perhaps. I don't have any proof of that. It kind of sounds like a grove, like the prophets of the grove. Where they would fashion trees down and whittle them down to the images of phallic Mm. devices. I love the way you put that. You just put that way better than I could have. Say that again. Like the grove would be like what possibly? Phallic devices. Yeah, but they would do what to the trees? Carve them. Standing ones. Mm -hmm. Now they would also make poles and erect them, but they would also carve them standing trees into Asherah poles. And then there's the place where they grew the grapes for wine and strong drink. Now, what was his mother told not to drink? Or participate in when she was pregnant with him. Wine and strong drink. So now we got alcohol involved. Let's let's keep everybody up to speed here. We got the Philistine girl. We've got the lion attacking him. We've got the dead carcass of the lion, the honey. He takes it home. We've got gambling. We've got the place of ravenous birds. We've got prostitution. And now we are standing in the place where alcohol and the fruit of alcohol is indeed made. And you couldn't make any of that up if you just tried. But you know what? I'm not even worried about Samson. It's probably going to be okay. It was just, it was just a little bit of honey. Just a little. <laughs> That's bit. all it was. It, yeah. It's not a big deal. He, he probably is not going to. Jesus still forgive him. Suffer, and he will. But Jesus ain't here. It's the law. <laughs> but Jesus, his forgiveness. His promise of forgiveness always comes with what? Repentance. Conditions. Conditions. You laid that on a T for me, didn't you? And so now she begins her endless assault, this kind, 
has entered into the war after the other kind had just wounded him a little bit and dulled him a little bit or perhaps caused his pride and arrogance because they they just played it was an assault so this kind shows up and she starts nothing bad's happened yet and she holds him she holds him in her influence and he doesn't even listen 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 because i'm going to share something in a minute that i did not share in church sunday morning she holds him so deep in her influence that he has no idea that he's under the influence. You're just like, well, that's that's not something. Yeah, well, when I share how deep he was in a moment, you're going to see just how deep he was, just how deep some people are. They don't even know it. They are wrapped up in the grips of a God, and they have they have no smidgen of an idea that they are there. Now, she's got him. But he's not worried about it because he's been here before. He's been in chains. He's had pressure put on him by everybody else. And he's always he's always come out. So Samson, he's not worried about it. It was it's not a big deal. I can reach in there and get me a little honey. It's not a problem. He he's not he's outside of himself right now. Zero protection, and he's completely being controlled. He's probably one step below being possessed but he's being oppressed. But he's not just being oppressed by anything. This kind has showed up in his life. So what do you what do you what do you keep meaning by that? What do we mean by that? Delilah. I I took this to the wire Saturday night. Because I was really struggling saying this from the pulpit because I didn't I didn't feel like I had enough and I don't say nothing in that pulpit for fact that I can't prove. Now here we'll say some things, but we'll always put a disclaimer on it. This is what we think. This is an opinion. When I'm in God's house standing in front of God's people, I gotta I gotta know for sure that what I'm fixing to say can be backed up. And I had trouble figuring out this Delilah thing, and it was hidden from me because it was tied up in another name. And I really went to looking, like really. And Delilah is a Hebrew wordplay on the name Layla. Now, I've got links for all of this. Ready to go with three clicks of a button and I can have them in your inbox. I know exactly where they are in my phone. Delilah is a Hebrew wordplay on the name Layla. Now, Layla, the word Layla means night. There is another word that these two connect and end up translating to one another, but they have the exact same meaning. They both mean night. And the word Layla translate into the word into the word Lilith. Now, if you know anything about the spirit world and have studied it at all, Lilith should mean something to you because Lilith is always represented by what? Screech owl. The screech owl. No, their own, their own, uh, their own mythology again. No, you better go read Isaiah thirty-four and read it very closely because it ain't nothing but about birds, owls, named by name. So there's Lilith, Leah. Now Delilah, Layla, Lilith. Now we can see that 
So now Delilah is Layla. Layla means night. Layla also means Lilith, which also means night. And Lilith is always and has always been and will always be Ishtar. Let it, let it soak in out there the way it did me the first time I saw it. The, the, the virtual Jewish library says that the name, this is what they say, that the name Delilah comes back through the Aramaic and lands on the Akkadian name Delil. Well, there's Lilith, Layla, Delil, L-I-L, D-E-L-I-L, Lilith, L-I-L. You, you see that there. And Delil, y'all want to know what Delil means? Man, I about threw the phone across the room when I, when I found it. It means the praises of Ishtar. Hmm. Now, I've got a good friend, a doctor of theology, lives in another state. I'm not sure if I can use his name, so I'm not going to. He said he found, and I tried to get him to send me a link, and he didn't. But he's an upstanding man. There's no reason to make up what he's fixing to make up when he told me. Perhaps he just forgot that I asked him to. But he said that, and notice I'm putting an asterisk on that because I don't have a link for this one, but I'm trying to, I'll get it from him. I have links for everything I just said up to that point. That he said it traces back to the phrase queen of heaven. Well, la- well, ladies and gentlemen, the, the phrase queen of heaven as tied to Ishtar, which is Ashtoreth in your Bible. That's why it's Asherah poles. In all in Jeremiah 7 and Jeremiah 44, 44, that they would knead their dough and pour out their drink offerings to the, and I quote, queen of heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, she has stepped down to take this man out. Unbelievable. And this kind is here. Now, this is how deep, listen, this is fa- fascinating. This is how deep under the influence he was. Let me get me some water. Scott, if you need to cough it out over there, dog, go ahead. We work at it. This is how deep under the influence that he was, and he had no idea. She starts pressuring him. Where's your power at? What do I have to do to bind you or get rid of this power? This man says three things. Now, one of them I'm not sure about. I didn't exactly dig too terribly deep. But I'm not sure about. But the first one, he said, if you'll, if you'll tie my hands with seven green withs, that's the King James word, withs, uh, that'll, that'll, that'll bind me. And this man is playing now. Well, he knows that ain't going to stop. He's playing. But with fire. He, he's so, yeah, but he's so <laughs> deep in the influence. He don't even know what he just said. You know what withs? Green withs, like uncured. You know what withs is? You know. You knew it when I told you. Bowstrings. Bowstrings. Okay. All right. Let's go to Artemis. The Carthaginian version, I think it's Carthage, version of Ishtar. Same, same spirit, different God, repackaged, rebranded. If you listen to the first one, you know. What is she always depicted holding? Left-handed bow. A left-handed bow. And if you'll put these bow strings around me. just That's how deep he is. And so the second one is chains. I didn't really look at that one. But the next one, I, I, I didn't even know what to do with it. 
She said, what, what are you, what's your power? He's getting closer. He's getting closer to the answer. And you watch where he moves geographically in his body, the closer he gets. She said, come on, you're lying to me. You don't even love me. You don't care nothing for me. Tell me. He said, yeah, if you'll weave my hair, if you'll braid my hair, and all my power will be gone. This man does not, not only has he now mentioned his hair, but he's mentioned the braiding of hair. And what does our good brother Paul do to Timothy in Ephesus? Whose temple sits in Ephesus? Artemis. Artemis. Diana. Diana. Same thing. Artemis, Diana, Ishtar, Ashtar. The same thing. Same thing. He writes to Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy and says, hey, tell the ladies to quit braiding their hair. Now, we're we're not against braiding hair. It's not a sin to braid your hair unless you're braiding your hair as a sacrifice to Diana or to the darkness. Then we got an issue. Yeah. But they were. In Ephesus, they were the ladies were adorning their braid. They would braid their hair and adorn it, adorn it with all types of things to be provocative and sexual to the goddess of fertility and sexual immorality, the goddess of alcohol and prostitution, represented by lions, lions, and birds. As Paul would say in Romans 1, birds, you've transformed the image of Christ into birds and four-footed beasts. And he tells her, if you'll braid my hair. He had no idea what he was playing with at all. And finally, after so much relentless pressure and relentless oppression, he finally gives in and says, if you'll cut my hair. And she didn't even do it herself. Why? Because she never does anything herself. And he lays, listen, he lays his head in her lap. And another man came in the room and cut all of his hair off. Why didn't she do it? Well, I've got two theories on that, but I'll give you one first. Because Jezebel always was behind the scenes and let Ahab, Jezebel, the chief prophetess of Ashtoreth, Ishtar, always hid behind Ahab and was manipulative behind the scenes. She calls a man in to do it. And now she cuts his hair and she says, Samson, get up. The Philistines are here. And he jumps up like he always has. It's like he wanted that girl. It's like he wanted to kill that lion. It's like he wanted that honey. It's like he wanted the prostitute. It's like he wanted everything that he always wanted. He jumped up, thinking this time I'm going to do the same thing now that I've always done. And the Bible says, and he knew not. It is the, it is one of the most bone-chilling verses in the Bible. And it should scare all of us to death and wake us up and mm-hmm. shake us. The gravity of our decision. He said he knew not. The Bible says he knew not that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Mm. And God save us from the day we think we can walk in churches or just get out of bed in the morning and have no clue that the spirit of the Lord has left us. Terrifying. He knew not. Samson, it's all right. 
He, he didn't really do that much. It was just a little bit of honey. That's all it was, right? That's all it was, was a little bit of honey. And they bind him. Oh, no, it gets better. They bind him and they cut his eyes out. They just didn't blind him. They cut his eyes out. They take him to Gaza. I'll tell you where they took him in a minute. Just hang on if you need just another one more roller coaster ride in the filter. Mm-hmm. They take him to Gaza and they held him captive. Now, the Bible says, now, listen very closely to what I'm about to say. The Bible says that they took him to the grinding mill and he ground at the grinding mill. I guess they were grinding their wheat into flour and whatever else they needed grinding. Now, that's what the Bible says. That's what I preach. And ultimately, that's what I believe. But there's some Jewish scholars that have a different account of that. Now, let me be clear. Them. This is our. This is their belief, and we're just repeating it. I do not believe it. I cannot believe it because it is not in our Bible. So I am with our Bible. But what they believe is very interesting and would make a lot of sense. But I need to be clear on that. It is not my belief. If you're listening out there and you want to repeat me, repeat me in context that this is not our work or our belief. This is from Jewish writings that he was indeed not used to grind at the mill, but rather he was used as a sex slave to where they would bring in their Philistinian women to have sex with him in hopes, with a plan, in hopes to produce a super race of Philistines. Again, I, I'm, the, our Bible does not say that. I am giving that to you from other from, from other writings, and I do not believe that. But But... We've kind of heard that plan before, hadn't we? That's right. Genesis 6. That's where my mind went to. Yeah. Hmm? That's where my mind went to. Exactly. The Nephilim. So there's that. Anyway, here, here's the bottom line. Whether he's grinding at the mill or whether he's being held as a sex slave, all of a sudden, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is where application, of course, we've been in application. The very thing, the very things that he used to have serve him. He now serves. And that is the trick of the gods. That's the whole idea of idolatry. As we've talked about on here before, we'll we'll pray, we'll build this idol, pray for the spirits to inhabit it so they will serve what we need. And in that exchange, we end up serving the very thing that we want or we expect to serve us. And now Samson is a slave by the things and to the things that he played with. Our heart cannot be conditioned to live for God and be living for the gods. I'll shout all over this room, and it's Monday night. Monday night revival, baby, right here. Who do you serve? Yep. I'll play around with people I shouldn't play around with. I'll feast with them. I'll just get me a little bit of honey. I'll take it home with me. A little prostitution here, a little alcohol there, a little place of ravenous birds here and there. It's not a big deal until he looks around, and all of a sudden, all the things that he used to serve him in the moment he's now serving with no eyesight a slave 
And if you look around at our lives, if you're not careful of all this, the little bit of honey, all of a sudden you become a slave to the very thing that you shouldn't have touched to begin with. Every time but we sin, thunk, every time. it brings us a little bit further away bit of, from little, the light, a little bit further away from God, a little bit further away from A little sleep. A little slumber. Finish it, Robert. A little folding of the hands to rest. That's all it is. And so shall your destruction come on you. And he laid his head in the lap of a whole demon. And before I give you this last part, another disclaimer, my opinion. This is my opinion. Say it, Brother Rob. Say this is his opinion. This is his opinion. Say it, Scott. This is his opinion. Adrian's opinion. I have Yes. I have no Bible for it. The more I look at this story and the more I realize that nobody knows where she came from and nobody knows where she went. I'm not. If an angel of the Lord could come to Samson's mother. Inform and speak to them about what will happen. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm 100 percent sure that Delilah was human. Well, she looked like a woman, right? In the form in like an actual human being. Take sure to take the form. Again, that's just my mind. She could have very well been. But the angel of the Lord looked like a man to that Samson's dad. I'll leave it there. But either way. There's several instances of either that. Way. Whether it was literal or wh- whether it was literal or whether it was possession or influence or whatever, he went from overcoming little lions and honey and prostitution and all this. He went from that to laying his head in the lap of one of the chief gods in the darkness. And it did not end there. Because Judges chapter 16 says that 3,000 gathered together in the temple. Do you want to know what temple that was? I know y'all know. You know what temple that was? Dagon. The Philistine deity. Baal Haman. 3,000 gathered together in the temple of Dagon. In ba- Why? Because Baal and Ishtar always walk hand in hand in the scripture, in historical writings, everywhere. And now he has gone from her lap to his temple. Did you hear what I just said? I wish I'd have had that line Sunday morning. I didn't have it. I was running out of time. He has gone from her lap. He has gone from just a little bit of honey to her lap, to standing in the middle of Baal's temple with 3,000 people that are laughing at him. And they walk hand in hand as he walks into the chief, the house of the chief of the gods. And he's standing there. And man, it's sad. I'm going to give you some hope here in a moment. We're not beating you up. Just hang on. I got a little bit of hope coming. Just hang on. We'll give you a plan. And he's standing there and he lifts up those sightless eyes to the heavens. Because the Bible said, as all this was happening, that his hair began to grow back. Did grow. And he lifted up those sightless. Can you imagine? Just wait a minute. Let's just close your eyes. It don't, and not if you're driving. Don't do that. But if you're at home or whatever, close your eyes and picture this man. And all his greatness and mightiness. And what he looked like in that moment with his eyeballs cut out of his head. The shell of himself. He never imagined his life would end up where it has ended up. 
I'm talking to somebody out there. Bound and change in the altar Bound of a God. In the altar of a God. God of sin. God of sacrifice. And he never thought he'd be there. But, and I don't really know how he got there. It was It was just a little Started bit. Started off with one little piece. It was just a little bit of honey. And he's standing there and he says, he prays a prayer. He lifts those. He lifts his eyes and he said, "Lord, could you remember me one more time? Now let me clean up. Remember me." That does not mean that God had forgotten about him. God forgets nothing. The same terminology was used in Noah's Ark, and God remembered Noah. It didn't mean he forgot. When the when the scripture used and, the, and God remembered and uses that, or he's asked, "Lord, remember me." That saying. Could you turn your attention to me? Turn your attention to me. Just one more time. And I'll bring this place down, but he makes a request. He makes a request that I don't know how to make sense of. And we need to talk. We need to, we don't need to dig it out at its core because there's no answer, but we need to at least acknowledge it among us. He makes a request. He said, and I'll die with him. If you'll help me one more time, I'll die with him. And he grabbed a hold of a pillar in one arm and a pillar in the other. And the Spirit of the Lord did come upon him. And he pulled the whole place down. The whole temple of Baal came down. And he killed more that day than he had ever killed in any other time he went through his killing sprees. But he died with them on purpose and i don't know how to make sense of that because i've already been asked the question was it suicide and i don't know if it was or not i don't know how to answer that question and i don't think it's out of bounds to even pose that question because it happened perhaps that is what he was ordained to do from the beginning perhaps i don't know perhaps he died with the thing that it brought him to the place of death, his sin. Perhaps. I don't, I don't know how to answer any of that. I just know that's what Scripture says. And so, I'll, I'll wrap it up. That's the story. The story literally ends right there. So, let me just say this. It's just a little bit of rebellion. That ain't nothing to it. It's just a little bit of rebellion. It's just a little bit of bitterness. It's just a little gossip. It it don't mean anything. It don't mean anything. It's just a little alcohol. Get off my back, preacher. Which society and all these church people would get off my back. Ain't I'm not doing anything wrong. It's just a Hey, I've been doing it for a long time. Ain't nothing happened to me yet. It's just a little bit of alcohol. Hey, it's just a little bit of weed. Just a little bit of sex. Of the unmarried variety, obviously. Just a little. It's not a, hey, it's not a big deal. Matter of fact, don't even hardly nobody know about it. What, you know, normally it's not even, it's just a little bit of adultery. You know, I, you know, except you're bringing the honey home to 
unknowing people. It's just, it ain't, it's not that big. It's a little pornography. Come on. It's just, a, I said it in the pulpit Sunday morning. It's just some breath. What's the big deal? And ain't going to have it to me. Ain't nobody going to find out about it. It's just a little bit of, it's just a little bit of anger. It's a little bit of anger that causes me to hurt the people around me or my marriage or my kids. It ain't, it's not that, it's not, it's just a little in unforgiveness. That's all it is. That's all it is to it. It's just all it is. A little bit of indifference. I don't need church. I don't need worship. I don't even need all this spiritual God talk. I'm good. Been good. I could take it or leave it. Just a little bit of indifference. It's just a little bit of honey. There's a church full of people that that fit. Just like there's going to be a bunch of people that it fits their life. The difference between us and Samson. The difference between you. If you're out there and you see it, you hear it. Oh, my Lord. Wherever you're at right now, that has turned into an altar of repentance. Even if it's in your car. The difference between you and Samson is you don't have to die in it. Right. You don't. You don't have to die in it. Matter of fact, you can stop wherever you're at right now and fall to your knees, which I recommend unless you're driving. And you can pray the same thing, except for the dying part. Lord, could you help me turn one more your time. could you turn your attention to me just one more time? How about that? Is this, there's still a death there? You have to die to yourself. Yes, there is. To die to yourself and die to the sin, so your heart can be released to be genuine in that repentance for you to receive the Holy Ghost to actually change. We can't carry the gods into our new life, we can't not be changed and be Christians. Samson, and I'm finished. Samson, I know what you believed, but who did you serve? Who do you serve? Robert, it was just as beautiful today as it was as it was yesterday morning, buddy. It was. It was just, it may have been a little better in this room than it was yesterday. In its own way, of course, completely different setting. Who knows what eternity has to say about it? What thoughts, questions, comments, complaints, concerns? Oh, to everybody listening. It's so wonderful to listen to, and it is all in your Bible. Please read it. Read it. It's right there. Again, we couldn't make this stuff up if we tried. No. Scott? <laughs> it's <any> too real. <laughs> last words, questions, queries, comments, complaints, concerns. Let us live in actual obedience through faith. How can we live, not live in obedience and claim to have faith? Jesus told us to live through faith, and that requires understanding that the ramifications of our sin are real and true and have cause and effect. Even though it might look just like a little bit of honey. Seems innocent at the time. It's just a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Mm. But 
the waves of that echo through eternity in the spirit world. Mm. Let us go to God with a heart that is humble, a heart that is receptive to change with genuine repentance. Seek forgiveness. Who do you serve? We love you guys. God bless. Uh, we're doing our best to get it out. I hope you're enjoying it. If you've got any questions, hit us up. I hope you have a great week. Be safe. God bless. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Filter Podcast. We have found deeper understanding of the spiritual warfare that all Christians engage in and that you find deliverance through Jesus. You can discuss this episode at facebook.com forward slash the God Filter or by searching the God Filter or to have specific questions answered, you can email us at admin at the God Filter.com. God bless.